As you know, this is Measure of an Episode. Our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a good Star Trek episode, and not just good TV, is what we used to say. Now, that is completely out. (laughs) This is now a variety show podcast. (laughs) But we have adjusted our criteria on how we determine, first of all, not what a good Star Trek episode, because good is misleading. Not that it is good or bad, but proper. That is the new word, a proper Star Trek episode. We have developed new criteria, updated criteria, newly updated criteria for what makes a proper Star Trek episode and not just a television episode. And so we have developed three criteria. One, two, three. Two of which I know. One of which we're going to have to make up on the spot. <laughs> I, was I was like, oh, we have a third one. Cool. Let's see what it is. <laughs> Jonathan's thinking to take the third one. The first one <laughs> is science fiction. I think that's probably the most important one, I suppose, is that it has to have some kind of exploration of science fiction and also some sort of procedural of that science fiction. So an example of just someone techno babbling something off and rattling something off about the warp core is not really what we mean by science fiction. They have to explore that in some way, which uh, frankly for this episode was a perfect, was perfect because uh, while I felt in this particular episode, which was DS nine to 12, the alternate DS nine season two, episode 12, the alternate uh, it was, it was a perfect example of taking a science fiction idea and and exploring it through the whole episode because really nothing happens in this episode really except for the monster part which is so like weird that there was a monster on star trek yeah it was Uh, yeah yeah very strange but but there was a reason for it it wasn't like all the tos episodes where this these beings these clouds of intelligence just sort of are and happen to be right they just appear because they're near the planet yeah yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's actually a perfect example of that first criteria of having a science fiction element that is explored and proceduralized for most of the episode, or at least a section of the episode. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry Jonathan couldn't be here today. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're doing great. Keep it up. <laughs> what was the second one? This is the second such a one, long intro. Yeah, Are we gonna do this every we're time? gonna have to cut it down. Uh, yeah, we should do it every time. We should probably cut it down or speed it up. I don't know which one it's gonna be. Uh, the second one. What is the second one? I can't remember. Um, the Gene Roddenberry original vision. So the morality. Yep, morality right. has to have some sort of uh, expression of morality guiding the plot. And by guiding, I don't mean is the subject of the plot, but in some way that the characters or the overarching premise or theme of the episode is in some way about morality. Uh, it doesn't have to be a conflict of morality. It can, it can just be as though they're following a morality. Uh, but there has to be morality in it because, as we all know, we, we all know that the name of this podcast is The Measure of an Episode. And we also all know that Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek not as an exploration of science fiction or space or phasers or transporters, but an exploration of morality. And so we believe that in order for it to be a proper Star Trek episode, there has to be that element. And for number three, Jonathan, take it away. (laughs) Cool. So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So spoiler alert, there is no third criteria, uh, but it's up to you. Dear listeners. Listener 
to, if you have an idea of what the third criteria should be, uh, or if you believe that we in some way have perverted this criteria and you don't believe that, that we've arrived at our criteria correctly, let us know. Send us an email. Hit us up as a review. Actually, you know, we, we do need more reviews. I, I actually haven't looked <laughs> to see if anybody has reviewed it. I'm going to assume no, that, that Mike has not reviewed anything. Yeah, neither has Chad. But he is, no, but they, ha- they are, well, at least Mike. Mike is, a, is one of our wonderful patrons who yes. allows us to keep this podcast going. Uh, and <laughs> never know how to get out of this Patreon. I just keep begging, I know, hoping it will end. I know you do. <laughs> so I've, I've passed a plate around. Um, if if just, anyone, It's like a circle. If you, if you can find it in your heart to uh to give anything you can whether whether it's your your pocket change or a 20 from your wallet just right yeah and this isn't beer money this is not please don't give us a finger but you can give us the finger but don't don't send in but do it in a review (laughs) give us the even if even if the review is just the middle finger emoji that's fine too Uh, but it does help us. Any review, and if you want to go even further, uh, some support on the Patreon. It's like I said, it's not beer, not beer money. It is actually going directly back into all of the expenses that we have to pay to keep the podcast going. Uh, and hopefully, at the two-hour mark of this podcast, we will eventually start talking about the DS9 episode that we're supposed to be talking about. Oh, we're not done. Oh, I thought we already had. No, no. Oh, no. Yeah, you we have much more to do. Went on so long about how this episode was so perfect for our criteria. Well, yeah, right. Well, the blurb is very long, so let me let, might as well get to that. I thought when you were done with your money shot, we move on. <laughs> Those are also very long. <laughs> Dr. Moreau Paul arrives on Deep Space Nine with the announcement that he may have a clue to Odo's origins. Okay, so already there's a problem with this, because there is no announcement. In fact, I mean, I suppose it is an announcement that he has arrived, and maybe there should be a comma there. But... There is no announcement that he may have found the clue to Odo's origins. In fact, I don't even think that that happens in the cold open. No, it, that that is the cold open. Like he he does say. Okay, you're being weird. Okay, anyway, uh, it's funny. This is another one of these DS Nine openers that uh, the person did not watch Quark. the episode. Oh, well, no, no, not that's the blurb. Yeah. No, but you're right. No, they yeah exactly. But what I was going to say is that this the cold open is Quark doing a totally unrelated Quark and Odo doing a totally unrelated bit together about death rituals and Latinum and how much you know how the Ferengi which 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 uh helps my point, by the way, that this is a very good Star Trek or sorry, very proper Star Trek episode. That they're just going on and on about Ferengi death rituals. On and on. Well, death rituals. Has, it's it's not just Ferengi. It, any of them. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But there is the the Odo becomes very interested. Yes. Uh, or ostensibly very interested in the Ferengi episode of chopping up all their dead into pieces and selling them to people, <laughs> um, which we kind of do here. Like you can probably still find locks of hair from Beethoven that are on auction, things like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. But uh, what I love about this episode is that uh, it is unrelated kind of like darts but it does give us some information about uh ferengi who are an alien species that they interact with and it it, it gives us some proceduralized exploration as to what this is right i i enjoyed it it was fun for me to to hear that about 
that they did some math and they did some homework on what, how the Ferengi treat their dead. And we got to learn about that a little bit. Yeah. And I was totally cool with it. See, but I, I feel like when it's just thrown in there like that, it's literally, you know, oh, hey, look, we're in this sci-fi universe. We're going to talk about it, even though it's completely irrelevant to the plot. And I I've, I feel like that's... I do agree with you that it is unrelated, but I'm okay with it. Because it wasn't it wasn't them talking about a Pajarian bull. Or give me some of that Kadrurian ale. Because Kadrurians love their ale. Although he did ask for Dikati. Right. But they didn't do the whole scene about that. But okay, so what if they had? What if they had talked about like the the Dika vines from the Bajoran anterior jungle and how they're only ripe once every seven years and you have to squeeze them in just the right way in order to to get the tea? Like, would that qualify? Yes. Okay. Because because I, I, I don't know, I would have I would have liked that. Right. I think that that is a nice a, a fun and it's not just saying a strange um, a word you made up in front of an of a thing you're familiar with right a thing you're familiar with it it's not that that would be the the perfunctory amount of um science fiction quote unquote versus what they did in this which was they did some thinking about the ferengi now they may have written that just for this episode and it may not ever come up again but i'm okay with it right see I'm and okay. i was i was actually somewhat disappointed with that because i was really hoping that odo would be investigating the the fact that this guy was still alive and that Quark was right. legitimately cheated. And uh, it is arguable it does have some function that his his interaction with Odo or the, the interaction between Quark and Odo is functional in that Dr. Moreau sees it and comments on it because he's he's becoming sort of uh much to Odo's chagrin his father figure right. and and so like so he he's, they're able they have there's they have something to talk about in this very long cold open. Yes. I guess you're right. Yeah, that that part where Quark was so excited to have Odo's dad on the station, which <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean it gives him it gives the dad something to talk about. Dr. Yeah. Moreau. Yeah. Right? Mora, yeah. So a little side note about that. The the original idea was to have René Abagenois uh play Dr. Mora in the same way that Brent Spiner played Nunyan Sung. Oh, why didn't they do that? That's so much more interesting. Because they they figured out that it would have made the episode run twice as long on the production side because of right. the, the makeup and prosthetics. Oh, you find a way, guys. I know. Find a way. I know. So, yeah, I was actually kind of disappointed to learn Damn that as well it. because that, that meant he was the only one who did not look like his creator. Um, Data looked like... You know, Nunyan Sung and the doctor looked like his creator. Although I would have preferred it if Odo had just always looked like the beaker that he originally, uh, <laughs> and just walking around as a beaker. Giant glass cylinder. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. And he makes that sound wherever he goes. <laughs> Chasing after people. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Now, are you picturing a giant beaker or are you picturing a beaker beaker? Like a beaker oh, size. A giant beaker. Okay, okay. A giant beaker. Yeah. Throws oh, himself kind over of, the person trying kind to catch of like the Kind of like the Kool-Aid guy. <laughs> sort of like that. See, but the thing is, like, because he's a shape uh, changeling, he, would, he wouldn't be made of glass. So he would right. have this, like, glass sound and he would look like glass, but he wouldn't, like, there'd be no concern about shattering. Well, I mean, it's unclear if he, how he, he 
kind of replicates these things, whether they're inanimate or animate objects. Right. Are are is he is his body creating the materials or is it just uh, an illusion? So is his is the material that he is that he it, it, that makes up Odo is it always the same? Right. Or is he making is he making himself into glass well, or and, into skin? And does he ever split himself? Does he ever take off a piece of himself ever? I mean, that would be awesome if like Odo needed to patrol two parts of the base, but right. he couldn't like he had to do that. But there's just like two short Odos. Well, yeah. Around. So, yeah. But taking splitting himself, he's literally his mass is <laughs> cutting in yeah. half as well. So there's like a three foot Odo <laughs> walking around. Right. Yeah. That would have been. Why I wasn't there an episode like that? <laughs> I don't know why he would immediately sound like a goblin. Well, because he's always but, grumpy about yeah, everything. He is. I guess he always is that yeah. way. And by the way, well, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. Okay. So, so Cisco. Okay. We're, what are we? Three and a half hours in this podcast? <laughs> in the well, second scene? Three minutes into the, into the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So they, they, they start with Cisco lecturing his son about Klingon opera and how he needs to study it. Right. And I like the thing about that. I, that I just, I can't get my brain around Cisco is that. He's acting too much, too much acting, right? Like he's just sort of having a casual conversation that every parent has with their child, right? It's the, what am I ever going to do with calculus when I grow up? Well, you never know, right? That, right? That's the, that's the conversation, but he's treating it like it's the, it's the, the scene from Braveheart, right? Where he's making that huge speech to all of his men before the big battle, right? It always feels like every, every single line has to carry all this gravitas for it to be important or whatever like it just, why can't he just have a, a simple conversation right see and i wouldn't say it was that extreme but i would definitely say it's 25 percent too much um he just needs yeah to, i mean i was exaggerating yeah but yeah you're right yeah like it, he, that's a good way of putting it yeah it's it's just it, it right it, it was definitely just a casual conversation and he was presenting it as a much bigger deal um as, yeah yeah as a as a commencement speech of some kind <laughs> right you don't know what you're going to be when you grow up yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, he's right. I don't. And he has that kind of smug, like, look on his face. I can't handle him he's... smiling when he does his, like, wide eyes smiles. Well, in a, in a way that creeps you out? Yeah. Just, you know, when, when oh, he, okay. he was saying, I, I understand. Do you? And, like, <laughs> he's, his face just. What was his point? Yeah, because he totally got him on that, by the way. Yeah. What was his point? Like, why, why do you say, do you? I don't understand. Did he catch it? He, he said, do you? Like, he, like, like he won the argument when, when Ben won the argument. Well, yeah. His, basically, he was saying, I had to be miserable, so you get to be miserable, too. Yeah. Not a very good position to, to you know. Not, I don't, yeah. yeah. Odo talks to Cisco about barring the runabout because they realize that maybe they found Odo's people. And I love, the, I love that line. Can I, borrow, can I borrow a shuttle? Of course. What for? <laughs> As your commanding officer, I will happily grant you permission before I find out why. Yeah. I'll tell you when we get back. <laughs> so I'll tell you when we get yeah. back. He's always super mad. <laughs> okay, so they they find this planet or moon or whatever, mm-hmm. and they beam down to it, and they 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 beam down to the surface where they find this gigantic, impressive painting of a mountainscape. <laughs> and they also they also find a Stargate, and then they find. I actually, want to know. I didn't write down what the air date was. 
but I wanted to know if it, it was sort of close to when Stargate came out because it. Well, but it wasn't a a tunnel. It was just a pillar. Well, the the Stargate in Stargate is just a circle. It's right. like a stone circle thing. Right. Um, and they found it's just like a, it, they thought it was just this inert thing, which it. By the way, that just gets lost in this episode. That that pillar thing. Oh, I got so much totally to say about. Yeah, goes away that, that, that whole thing. Just, yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. So then, uh, they they beam away the Stargate, and the camera starts shaking. So again, proof that our randomizer is sentient. The only other time that pillar is seen is in the search. Oh my god! Well, that makes sense. Right. That's that sort of is underneath the the subcategory of well, we now get to watch the mystery of Odo's already knowing right. yeah. what Odo's origins are. Yeah. Which, but this episode didn't even touch about the origins. Like they, they found this planet no. and that was the end of it. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it totally switches plot lines Yeah, without wrapping up the first plot line before moving on to the second. The first two plot lines. Uh, by the way, there is a, I think there's a Reddit subreddit where the, I think the only thing that it does is it takes camera shaking moments where the ship is, is being attacked or there's an earthquake and levels it out. And there's a, there's a stabilization yep. thing, and it's ju- and it's just actors throwing themselves to the ground. Yeah, you know, it, it looks so bad when the camera's not shaking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, so they're hurt. Odo seems to be fine. They 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 have no idea what what's going on. Uh, O'Brien tries to figure out what the life form is they brought back, which is just like the fun you know stuff you did in science class in eighth grade with it's just magnetic dust. Right. Yep. You, yeah. And then the science lab is torn apart. Uh, when the, when the life form escaped, really like the first half of this episode is just sort of just boring, but like a good boring, like a science fiction boring where, well, yeah, it's, it's filling up the tension and it's laying out the clues. Um, and so mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to to speak to that. So then Dax walks in and Cisco is like, aren't you supposed to be in the infirmary? And she's like, yeah, I got bored. I had to get up and move around. And then she walks over to the pillar and like, caresses it yeah and she starts fingering the stargate for some reason yeah and it you know it's like okay that's weird (laughs) well first of all dax she shows up with the trope of i ignored the doctor's orders to stay in sick bay because i was just very very sick and so now i'm i have to get back to work because that's the kind of person that i am like there's never any consequences for characters that do that i think we have we talked about this before where that that will happen where they said, yeah, I had to fight my way through the doctor because I needed to get back to work. And then they keel over and die, right? Because they, <laughs> they didn't follow what the doctor said to do, which is you're very sick and you should rest. Well, yeah, no, the, the doctor is never right on those things. Like <laughs> at least once, once out of 10 times, have them die, right? Yeah. And just have the doctor be like, and, and just turns to everybody else. And, and that's why. <laughs> yeah. Carry around a video of no that happening. ticket. <laughs> exactly consequences <laughs> okay so there's a scene with the doctor and dax in sick bay this is after o'brien finds the dead life form like the life form escapes o'brien walks around in the conduit which they don't call jeffrey's tubes i originally wrote it down as jeffrey's tubes but they're not jeffrey's tubes it's just conduit right because it's not it's not a federation I, I did that math all by myself good job you're so yeah. smart I know. I'm a Star Trek genius. <laughs> so anyway, there's a, the scene between the doctor, Julian. Yeah, Dr. Bashir. Yeah. yeah. Julian Bashir and Dax are in the sick bay. And the scene is over. They finish their, their objective. And Hang Dax on, let's, says, let's, yeah, I thought let's we back it up. It. I got a question for you. So O'Brien okay. finds the dead life form in the tube. 
Um, do you think? Do you think that was the end of it? Like, do you think that was the actual life form, and it's now it was now dead? Uh, I guess so. I mean, they were very quick to say that it's dead, right? Which they they wasn't like I don't know if it's dead. I mean, they never really saw what it was. It was, seemed like it was just dust when they had it in the petri dish, right? So I don't know why they would just assume anything. They know they know basically dick about whatever this life form is. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it doesn't look like it was freed, which I guess they come to the conclusion that it was. It looks like it escaped by itself. Right. Yeah. Like the, and they never say whether, which one it is. Right. The dome, the dome was peeled outward. Outward. Like, right. it, yeah. Like it had tried to, and it link and the camera lingered on that to specifically show that. Okay. I was yes. just curious. What so I don't know. Were. Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I got, but I think what we gather from the last half of the episode is that it was freed by Odo. Okay. That it didn't escape because the whole power thing happens. Right. There was a power drain. Right. So I, I don't know. They, they didn't really go into it okay. enough. Okay. Honestly. Uh, anyway, so uh, the Dax, the Dax and Doctor, <laughs> or the Doctor and Dax, uh, Dax asks the doctor if she if he wants to go get a drink. Yes. And the doctor's like, oh, your place or my place? And she's like, then she gets offended and said, actually, I was just thinking about the the promenade. And then the, the doctor's like, no, there's no sex involved. <laughs> right. Not nope, in- not interested. <laughs> Never, I guess that yeah. work to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, that's kind of crummy. But... Dax, he, like he, so the, after she leaves, the doctor basically reads us his motivation for all the dum dums in the audience. Yes, and and so obviously he's interested in her, and she obviously knows that because this is not the first time that we're getting this information. Right. right? I, well, yeah. I mean, he basically says she's doing it on purpose at this point. Right. Which she obviously is, because if Dax knows that the doctor is into her, you don't ask somebody that you're not into, who you know is into you, out for a drink. Right. Well, especially by offering the drink first, you know, yeah. like say, hey, do you want to meet me at the promenade for a rock to Gino? Like clearly established. We are going to a public area if you want to do this. Right. Because they are Not they are the open. Yeah, because they are friends. So, you know, she I'm sure that she would say like, hey, do you want to go hang out as friends? But, you know, not do it in <laughs> not do it in such a condescending, like obvious way. But yeah. well, yeah, she was doing it in a manipulative way. Like she was enjoying herself. Oh, for a sure. A little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's why the doctor spelled it out for the audience. Right. <laughs> Without actually turning to the camera, which he almost did. Almost does, yeah. And then the doctor is attacked by several computer polygons and is injured? Not injured? It's unclear. Like, he, I thought he was, like, he, he kind of uses his, his laser scalpel thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were going to get, like, a piece of it. Right. That was just going to sort of be inert on the ground. Yeah. Because I thought that, like, he kind of, he kind of swipes across it like he's, he's taking something off. Right, like he's slicing, yeah, like he's slicing it, yeah. There were, there there were a lot of elements to this episode where it seemed like they were leading in one direction and those things never materialized. They never paid off. So, you know, the next part with, with Dax, um, so she, she had that moment and then, uh, when Odo comes into talk to them about what happened um dax is sitting there and he's like didn't the pillar used to be over here and she's like i had it moved and you know so she's got all of these yeah. suspicious behaviors and i'm <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true i mean i was like oh cool it moved itself no she just moved it yep end of end of intrigue <laughs> that's it yep. 
So yeah, it almost it almost made me wonder, and I uh, there was nothing that I could find about this, but I wonder if the episode had a different ending, and they they decided you know either for the longer version for the longer story arc or upon review they realized it didn't work if they changed the ending to be what it was in the promenade. It's possible, but if the whole reason they didn't do the the Odo is is the same guy as Doctor Moreau, Mora. They knew their schedule already then. Right. I mean, I don't know how they plan these things, but they, they obviously knew they have a finite amount of time to do that. Like they can't just change something in the middle of. Oh, of, I see what you're saying. Right. Of filming. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just a badly written episode. Right. <laughs> it's very possible. It is weird that it goes from this very procedural, kind of boring, but in a good way, like I said, episode about them investigating a mystery to we have to catch the monster. Right. It's it's such a weird pivot that they do. And I actually thought when there's that confrontation between Dr. Moreau Mora. and Odo where he says, look, this is obviously you. I recognize the DNA we found. I thought that he was manipulating Odo to get him to come back to be studied with him. Right. Me too. And that, and that, yeah. Which is not. He was right. He was the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was blown away. It's almost like you're right. Like. Like they changed, like, like, well, we can't do that plot line where he's just trying to manipulate him to get him back. That would take too long. So let's just wrap it up real fast. Yeah, it was just, it was so, I, I liked, I liked the, and you keep saying boring, but I've, I feel like it was just slow paced. Like it was, it, they were, they were peeling back layers. They were revealing evidence and clues and that sort of thing. And then from that, from that moment, you know, when he, when he said, you need to, it's not safe. Like, when has this happened before? You know, like, have there been any unsolved cases? Uh, you know, no, and almost like there's always unsolved cases. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it really, it really felt like it was going to go in a different direction. And then it just became not just a, a monster hunt. And, yeah. and, but it wasn't even by, a monster hunt a- at that point because they knew what the monster was. So it was now just a matter of how trying to to catch their friend. Right. And why why couldn't they just beam it out of the conduits? Like into like into a cell or something. Why can't they do that? I don't understand. I mean they can beam Odo. Odo beams. Why can't they beam the other form that Odo takes? I don't know. Maybe just beam just beam him out. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Since they know his DNA. So the scene yep. the scene with Dr. Moreau and Mora and Odo where there's that confrontation. Yeah. The acting is, and the blocking, is so soap opera. Oh, it for sure. It feels so, like, like they would, he, like, turns around and faces the camera, you know? Mm-hmm. But the, the guy behind him is still sort of, like, yelling at him. And just the way that they, the, not the content, just the way that they talked, it just felt so overacted and, and like, it, it was daytime drama. So they eventually catch Odo, and I guess their plan works. Like, they seemed like it was, it was pretty touch and go as to whether or not they'd be able to contain Odo. But why does, why is Odo all of a sudden this, this super powerful monster? They never go into that. I mean, I, I guess they say that they've extracted the gas that, that gave him this metamorphosizing thing, metamorphic. Uh, but they don't, I mean, you just can't gas someone all of a sudden to become like the Hulk? Hulks. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I interpreted it was just that the, the gas on the planet messed with him. And so, I mean, he's, you know, he's changed shapes to be something incredibly small and, and incredibly big. So 
I didn't I didn't view his size change as being something of impacted by the gas. I I viewed his uh his temperament change and and his um uh, his lack of memory and his lashing out in this way uh as uh, a symptom of the the gas but exacerbated by Dr. Mora being there. Right. And I I feel like the payoff of that was incomplete. So when they have their denouement with Odo recovering and Dr. Moreau sort of saying, hey, we have some chatting to do. I'm getting the sense that you don't like me very much. (laughs) And I'm just getting the impression that Odo really didn't like being in the lab. Yeah. They were always sort of, I mean, he says, I've imprisoned you again. Uh, What what have I done? Right. Uh, But... It's unclear because he obviously likes the guy. He obviously cares about Odo. Obviously cares about Doctor Moreau. Mora, but but it's not. Which one is it? Is he totally traumatized from the terrible testing that they did at uh, terrible testing? Another uh, another segment <laughs> upcoming. We're not doing that one. No. Uh, <laughs> like which one was it? What? Why? So was it so terrible that it forced Odo into turning into this terrible murder monster? Murder Monster, also a uh, segment coming up. <laughs> no, we're uh, not doing that one either. Or was it sort of just this this weird thing that he's conflicted about that he didn't like it there? It wasn't fun for him. He it's sort of like the last year of high school for him, where he's like, "Ah, eh, I want to get out of here." You know, I'm tired of this place. Well, I think I think it was a little bit of both because he said, you know, um, he didn't like being stuck in the lab, and Doctor Morris said, "But the the testing, the 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 learning, what you could do." You know, and Oda was like, okay, yeah, that, that part was, that part was cool. That part was true. But the other, the other right. part too was he, you know, so Oda collapses into Mora's arms and he's holding him and he says, we have a lot to talk about. And then Oda wakes up in bed and he's like, well, I'm going to go. And it was, <laughs> it was just such a, an alarming, I th- I thought for well, sure. I'm going to go. Well, that's what he's like, he's like, I don't belong here. You do. And just woke up in the in the hospital bed. But I also loved that Dr. Bashir was like, well, I can't really tell you what the problem is because I haven't the foggiest idea. Yeah. What a cop out. Do something, Bashir. Like earn your earn your keep a little bit. But what would have what would have been nice in that moment is if Dr. Moore actually did offer some insight into Odo's molecular or biological physiognomy and just kind of saying. What more than likely happened was this, um, or even, you know, based on these results and point to like three random things on the screen, it's very obvious right. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, separate it from magic for us just a little bit. Yeah. Right. That it just wasn't this thing that happened so the plot could happen. Right. Right. So they have their denouement and then that's the end of the episode. And, you know, aside from the monster stuff, I have to say, like, I, I enjoyed this episode. I was not expecting to enjoy it, but I, th- there was no political stuff. No? Yeah. <laughs> Saying something. Well, because it's um, still babyface disco. That's true. Hey, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. And there, we weren't even in the transitional period either. Yeah. Nope. Uh, but yeah, like in terms of meeting the criteria, number one, science fiction procedural, definitely have that. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, a tale of morality in some way. Definitely have that. Uh, yeah, kind of like a Stockholm Syndrome slash, you know, meeting your captor slash alienated father. You know, yeah, there was definitely... Your captor slash father. <laughs> Everybody knows that story. <laughs> Tales all the time. relate to that story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who hasn't uh, been there, right? 
Well, and he's conflicted because he is, he didn't want to admit that he was the closest thing to a father that Odo could have because he didn't like him very much. Right. He didn't like what he did to him. And so that, I, I feel like, definitely checks that box for me. It wasn't up to sort of the the mystery you might encounter on Next Gen, right? At their best sort of science fiction mystery episodes. Right. I appreciated just sort of existing in the in the world. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. Um I think I think that the episode either had edits in two different directions and you know, like the first half was edited in one direction and the second half was edited in another direction. Or mm-hmm. There were some scenes that were taken out that kind of had things flow a bit smoother for time or just editing early on. But um but yeah, I think that I think that it definitely hits our our two criteria on what makes a Star Trek episode. And it was it moved the the plot forward and it moved Odo forward in a way that I felt was uh was interesting. Kind of like what happened with T'Pol in the um in the episode where, you know, she she was mind melded with against her will. The seeds that were planted in that episode and the the storyline, sorry, the seeds that were planted in this episode and the storylines like that happened and that that we know take place later on, I felt were were entertaining and interesting enough that it would it would definitely have kept me for for the next episode. Yeah. And, you know, they the writing wasn't super great. They sort of let that whole the Stargate thing. Like, oh, there were so that? many drop plots. Yeah. Yeah. They, they dropped that. What else did they dropped? They dropped the uh They dropped Quark's investigation. Right, which So fine. here's here's the thing. Let's let's go off of the Chekhov's gun thing. Not only did Quark say that, you know, that Odo would help him, but then when they were leaving, Quark said, and he's getting started on a fraud investigation right now. I think that was Quark sort of helping his own case though. I don't know if he was actually saying I think he was hoping that that would happen because he got caught perhaps in in a lie. Absolutely, right? but there was there was yeah. so much hype to it that there should have been some kind of resolution to it. Either Odo looked it up and, you know, Quark did it through some mischievous trade and Quark was like, "Oh yeah, you know what? Never mind. They they all disappeared anyway." Or Quark came to Odo and said, you know, what have you found? And Odo was like, yeah, you, you know I'm not really going to look for that. <laughs> I don't know. I got the impression that this is a day in the life of Quark and Odo, that he's <laughs> always investigating this kind of these kind of bullshit themes that, that Odo has or that, that Quark has. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I, I felt like maybe he will, maybe he won't. I feel like Odo kind of enjoys chasing quirk a little bit oh for sure you know yeah but i just i felt like i felt like there was too much hype in the beginning of the episode to have it just drop completely after the cold open takes forever i mean it is i i mean i was like was wait did i miss something long. <laughs> you know the rest of the show they wrap it up in like five minutes it's great <laughs> so yeah I, I mean do you agree do you agree this is a proper star trek episode yeah this is yeah this is a proper star trek episode i wouldn't necessarily say it's a quality star trek episode but it it definitely hits the the two of our new criteria also is that a wig on Dax? It looks like it in this episode. I don't know. I don't know. She must have a, either a gigantic head or like I I cuz I it, that can't be the size. It's giant. And she can't have that much hair either. Well, no. Right? My my wife does that sometimes. She will wear her hair in that style. So she, you know, she she puts it all back and then she does deliberately poof it up and then put bobby pins in to keep it up at that height and it stays. And she doesn't have I to just, tease it underneath and she doesn't have to like spray it with hairspray or anything. It's just something some some way that she does it actually makes it happen. <laughs> all right, now let's see which episode we're going to be talking about. Character's hair. 
Next. We no, I'm going to do that again. It was stupid. Let's see what... <laughs> Much better. <laughs> Let's see what other hair tips and techniques we're going to talk about today. It's hard. You're see? right. Yep. Not so easy, is it? <laughs> All right. I got it. Uh, the next hair raising episode is uh, Next Generation, Season 7, Episode 18, Eye of the Beholder. And Eye of the Beholder? The blurb. I feel like I know this one. I know this one. I know, right? I feel like I do, too. And the blurb says, while investigating a crew member's suicide, Troy is overwhelmed by strange visions. Meanwhile, her bond with Worf deepens. We get to catch the inception of their their romance. Right? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's go watch it. All right.